Welcome everyone to the CEO.Digital show. My name is Craig McCartney and I'll be your host that's going to guide you through an open exploration of technologies and trends straight from the C-suite. You'll hear insights will help you better deliver results for your company and its stakeholders. We'll be interviewing a range of C-suite executives, those that are creating technology to those that are implementing it to support their businesses. Find out more and stay up to date at ceo.digital. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Today's guest is Cecilia Sophia Anker Anderson, Regional Vice President for Cycle in the Nordic region. Cecilia has over 13 years experience in sales, seven of which has been in her rise at Sitecore, where she also oversaw the launch of Sitecore into Italy. Today, she helps brands deliver personalized interactions that delight audiences, build loyalty, drive revenue, and prove ROI. She supports CMOs and CDOs in global enterprises in the Nordics and helps them to achieve successful customer experience transformation including connecting and collecting data, technology, integration, and security while implementing AI through to IoT and even voice assistance. So Cecilia, welcome to the CEO.Digital show. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much for having me. So let's start from the top. Obviously, I gave a quick little introduction into your career highlights, but do you want to tell us about your career up until this point? Sure, absolutely. So as you mentioned in your introduction, I have around 13, 15 years of experience within within digital marketing, more precisely within marketing automation. And just to name a couple of my highlights from the past seven years when I have been with Sitecore, I would say one of them is, is definitely the breakthrough in, in Italy. That was very, very rewarding to see how an initial strategy by holding on to that actually saw that coming through on in the last couple of years when I was in Italy. I was there five years in total, right? So to see that coming through and to see how we actually managed to get a, a footprint in a new market, an emerging market, that was absolutely rewarding. That was one of them. Another one is what I'm seeing right now in Nordics. So I've been two years in, in the Nordics as, as an RVP here. And obviously, there's a huge difference from being in an emerging market versus in a very mature market. But to see that whole change in terms of the perception of Sitecore, that has been extremely rewarding. It's, it has taken a couple of years, but we, uh, we definitely start to see that payoff right now. So that's really, truly great to see. You talked about the Cycle launching in Italy. Do you think, obviously, Cycle, it was a brand new market for them, so they didn't have any legacy in that region. Did you think that helped you when launching to that audience? So both yes and no, right? I think there's a huge difference when you're here in the Nordics, and that was where everything was born, created. So everybody knows who Sitecore is. Everybody knows the brand, what we stand for, what we used to be known for. But in Italy... When being in a market when initially nobody knows that the company that you're representing makes it harder to get through and you need to have a lot of initial conversations and explain a lot about who you are and, and, and what Sitecore is and what it is that we're trying to achieve for our customers. 
But the upside, I would say, with this is that you actually have the opportunity to define and place Sitecore in the competitive space where we believe it should be, not only at that point in time, but also with a more like long-term perspective, right? So what I did in Italy was that, that I was holding very much on to saying Sitecore is an, an enterprise solution, even though we, we also suited the mid-market pretty well. But if we looked at the competitive landscape in Italy and also the amount of, of large brands, then that was definitely within that space we needed to compete. So I had the opportunity to, to basically just go out there, communicate. And the more you communicate, the more people also believe in it. But actually saying that Sitecore is providing an enterprise solution, which also meant that we were, I was losing a lot of deals and also, I mean, struggling a lot the first couple of years. But by holding on to that and, and keep, you know, being true to your initial strategy paid off the last three years I was there. So there are pros and cons, absolutely. Yeah. And did you see a difference in the maturity in terms of, you know, how companies in Southern Europe versus, say, the Nordics were in terms of customer experience and, and that transformation? I would actually say that I'm fairly surprised, and now I need to be careful what I'm saying here. I'm saying I'm surprised, but but they're very. I mean, the digital maturity is good in Italy, but they're also sitting. There are a lot of big global brands that are also operating outside Italy, but Italy as a digital market is in hyper growth. We also see that with a lot of partners that are working in that space. A lot of the big consultancy houses they have massive hubs in Italy because there are a lot of business to do there. They have the same, you know, how can you say the same challenges they are facing from what I'm seeing here in the Nordics. So I actually do think that the digital maturity is at the same level as you're seeing in, in the rest of Europe. In in Italy, I mean, it's a huge country with, with a lot of companies. But no, I think they're doing fairly well, to be honest. And the language barrier, did, was, was that a, a challenge? Can you speak Italian? I'm just making assumptions at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I speak very basic Italian. I do understand everything. I speak fluent Spanish and was also hired in to do probably based on my, my Spanish skills. But for some reasons, I was transferring to the Italian market, which was fine. But the way I got around that was, to be honest, I, I did a lot of the business in English, which worked out perfectly fine. I was working a lot with, again, some of the larger partners and they are international. I worked a lot for the past three years. I worked out of the Microsoft office in Milan. All of them are very good in English. And I think also with the companies that we were working with in Italy, they actually liked the fact that they had to speak English. I think it, it also kind of made them grow a bit. To be honest with you, I used it for my advantage. My English is not native, obviously, right? But it was somewhat a bit better. And that gave me an advantage if, if we were negotiating or if we were... If we were talking about solutions, I had the opportunity to articulate myself in, in a way that, that was very clear to them, but also, again, negotiation situations are like that. I was a, a bit step ahead when it came to communication with that. So I turned around and used it for my advantage, to be honest with you. Great. So let's talk about your role in the Nordics right now as the regional vice president. I'm sure it's very busy, but what does the sort of day-to-day -day look like for you? It's very much around supporting my team. I'm managing a team of AEs supporting our customers on their digital journey. 
And my role is very much in the background. It's very much about ensuring that my team, they have what they need to make sure that I can somewhat clear the road for them. A lot of that is to do on internal things, but where I'm also coming into play, and then that's, that's the part that I really, really like, is that, that I'm also engaging with the customers. I'm, I'm supporting the team when it's needed, not only when it's needed, but also providing my support to the customers, going out there, obviously meeting them, but also helping out when I have to as an exec sponsor on, on some specific customers. My role is purely a supporting role, to be honest with you, supporting my team to make sure that they can that they can be successful and they can make sure that our customers are successful. Yeah. Have things changed post-pandemic in terms of um, your sales processes, targets, KPIs, and just how you go about it? In terms of pandemic, I would say, well, yes and no. It's kind of still the same. It is a very fast-moving world that we work in. So regardless of everything, we don't know what the world looks like tomorrow. And obviously a, a pandemic situation also forces us to sometimes maybe move faster or in some industries they need to move faster due to to changes that has also had an impact on, on how we're working. There are businesses where we know that, that they're at risk potentially. We can't wait another one or two months to close things or to provide them the service and all the support that they need. Sometimes we need to work faster. But having said that, I think it's moving pretty steady. Obviously, again, the focus in the market and, and what we have been doing has changed a bit to the pandemic. We do see a big move in when it comes to e-commerce. A lot of companies, they were forced to move into and operate more digitally. And that we have definitely seen that switch in the market and that bigger focus on e-commerce platforms and well, literally everything, all our products, also the, the CDP, uh, when we talk about data and also hold that whole customer journey that you can improve via CDP. So definitely there's a huge change there. Yeah. And you mentioned e-commerce there. Is that a mature market when it comes to customer experience? So it depends again on the vertical that, that we're working with. So e-commerce is just basically a tool An e-commerce platform is just a, it's just a technology, a platform that enhances the businesses, basically. So I would rather maybe look into the verticals and saying we do see within retail, there is a big move there because a lot of stores has been closed down due to the pandemic. But also, again, I think the ones that managed to get on board on the e-commerce journey, they've also seen the huge advantage. I think there is also a big change in the behavior from the consumer. So we do see prior pandemic that a lot of people were doing their shopping online. But I think a lot of people actually, you know, are even doing more. And then there is a new big group kind of moving into that space as well. So we do see um, a big growth within retail and a big focus there, which is which is not rocket science. And somewhat expected that they need to, to move that way. But I think the biggest move is probably and the biggest change is probably within the B2B sector that they are also moving into actually looking at b2b2c but also enhancing their e-commerce capabilities and experiences interesting i guess yeah there is a sort of shift to b2b becoming more human and the experience has to be as good for business to business or business to consumer because you're still targeting people at the end of the day exactly 
Yeah. And so I would say Sitecore has an advantage of being quite mature in the digital world, being a, a customer experience platform. Would you say this is helping you in the market today? Are you bringing those expertise to your clients? Obviously, you're there to consult and support and provide a platform to help customer experience transformation. But do you feel like your experience is sort of you know, helping your clients in that regard? Well, absolutely. And that is definitely our role. But there has also been quite a big of a change. And again, coming a little bit back to the perception that I talked about initially, that Sitecore has for many years been known as a CMS vendor. That has been our bread and butter. It still is our bread and butter, to be fair. And we're looking very much at three main pillars. And we've been doing that throughout a very long time. And it's not changing, but it is content experience and, and commerce. But I think... We have created a lot of, of goodwill. We have a very, very solid, very strong platform and had that. We just celebrated our 21st year of birthday, 21. What are you saying? 20? Yeah, 21st birthday. 21st, yeah. yeah. 21st <laughs> birthday. We just did that. So you're officially an adult now. We're officially an adult now, right? Yeah. And obviously it comes with a lot of uh, good experience and, and a good brand and a lot of good relationships with a lot of, of, of companies. So we are using that to move into to Sitecore version 2.0 that I would say we're in right now after we, we've been doing quite a few acquisitions. We have expanded our product portfolio and we definitely need to leverage and we are for good reasons um, and with good rights, our knowledge in, in the market to kind of grow our customers with our new stack. And are AI and automation key part of that new stack you just mentioned? Well, both of them are heavily used buzzwords, right? And they are. But what we're looking at, we are talking about AI and data and personalization. What we would like to discuss with our customers to be the trusted advisor within this space is to look at, first and foremost, the people and the processes and then the technology. You can't do AI unless you have the skills and the people and the knowledge to do so. I mean, things are not doing it themselves. So there needs to be some good brains behind that and, and thinking about what it is that we would like to achieve. What are the main business objectives that, that we are seeking to improve or what it is. There can be many different objectives, but it's important that you understand that before you're just buying a technology because the technology as set is not doing it itself. You need to, to put some thoughts behind that. The new acquisitions we have been doing can definitely support that. But again, it, it's very much around the people and the processes and the organization and whether they're ready to do so or not. Yeah. And are, are you seeing in terms of AI and automation, like you mentioned, huge buzzwords, but it's about how they can better understand the data that is gathered. How are you seeing your customers work with that data to capitalize on AI? First and foremost, we do see a huge interest. And it's on everybody's agenda. It's on everybody's um, to-do, especially the customers that we're working very closely with where we know their roadmap for the next year, two, three years. And definitely it's in the roadmap. What we do see and probably the challenge that a lot of companies are facing is the fact that they're working in silos a lot still, even though it's also something that has been you know, talked about for the past seven, 10 years. So for quite a long time, but it also just again, emphasizes the importance of, of dealing with that. Again, we still do see large enterprises 
working with, with data depending on the department and completely separate, very, very siloed. And before you can actually leverage on, on any AI or on data on basically optimizing your customer journey across an enterprise company, then you need to get your data sorted and you need to to have what one single repository to manage that and to give that seamless experience that the customers are looking for. So definitely I see that as the biggest challenge. That's the whole siloed way of working still. But on the top of, of, of everybody's agenda and something that I think a lot of companies think they know now that they need to improve. Yeah. And in terms of customer experience, in particular what you're seeing with your clients, are there any topics or areas of interest which we you don't think are getting enough airtime at the moment? I actually do believe, I think, I mean, again, just to come back to my previous point, I think looking into to what's actually required to follow the market and to, to be able to leverage on technology that is actually available today for everybody. I think more education could probably be helpful. To the people, again, coming back to people, processes and technology, but coming back to talk about what does it actually require for an organization, which kind of people do they need to hire and which processes needs to be established to get the full value. That's probably something that could be discussed even more or more education could be provided. Yeah. And in terms of what are the differences in sort of in layman's terms for someone like me who perhaps not an expert in the subject matter, but is there a difference between multi-channel and omni-channel and how are businesses asking you to help them with those sorts of uh, challenges? So again, it very much depends on the individual companies and there are quite a few that, let me put it another way. There are not two companies that are working the same way. That whole omni-channel is something we all want, and that's something that all companies are looking into and want to be able to achieve to provide the best customer journey, right? But then yet, yet again, it requires you got the 360-degree view of the customer, and you can collect all the data, and you, you got that full view. Having said that, whenever you're getting up to larger companies, it can be probably easy for smaller companies when you're getting up to larger enterprise companies. That can be a hard task to achieve. And again, I think you, for companies, it's important that they are differentiating and looking at themselves and saying, what is actually important? Why do they need to get their message out? And then looking into to potentially structure their infrastructure based on that, their architecture uh, on that. So it's very much into to the individual company and their objectives and what they want to do. From a technology perspective, there are, I need to be careful what I'm saying here, but there are no limitations. <laughs> it's very much, again, up to the single company and how they want to work. Yeah. And when someone's saying they want omni-channel, but you've had a look at their business and they clearly aren't ready for omni-channel, are those the kind of questions that you would ask? I mean, what's the starting point for working out if they are ready? Do you help them get on that journey to become ready? Absolutely. I mean, I think it has a natural barrier because... When we're looking at, for example, a CDP, customer data platform, we rarely would sell that without understanding the, the proper use cases and what they need to use it for and how they would work with the CDP, with the platform. And in that kind of sales process and sales cycle, that's also why it's not something we're selling in two weeks. It's normally it has a sales cycle of six to 12 months, it depends. 
And when we're seeing a lot of tenders and RFPs going out, well, it's already been well-defined and it's something that a lot of companies are looking into, but it's definitely a conversation that we're having. And we are also trying to challenge. I do sincerely believe it's our role to also challenge our customers and then make sure that they are buying the right solution, whether it's Sitecore or not. But they're understanding what they're buying, what they would like to, how they're getting return on investment of the platform, right? It is key. In Sitecore, we do have a department that is called business value and strategy that we are pulling in when companies, they need to have these conversations more in depth, but also if they need to have use cases created to potentially get the, the fundings internally. Because again, I don't think as a CFO would approve any, uh, any purchase of a new technology without understanding the return on investment. With that comes you know, back to the use cases, what is it that they would like to achieve here? And that is definitely conversations we're having every time, which is also a big shift when we look at the perception of Sitecore and, 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 and where we are coming from as a CMS um, vendor, where you do not necessarily need to have these in-depth conversations, at the same level at least, but in order to go in and, and, and sell data platform, you definitely need that. And you mentioned the CFO there. I mean, your market is predominantly selling into sort of marketing decision makers, senior marketing executives. Are you seeing the lines blurring? You know, is the CIO getting more involved? You mentioned the CFO. Are you having conversations with with those lines of business? Rarely with the CFO, to be honest. That will probably more be legal and procurement whenever we we are getting to that point. But we're definitely seeing, I mean... Historically, Sitecore would be selling more to IT, where we are now, and you're totally right, we have switched into selling into marketing to the CMO. And again, now because we've got more products, it can actually vary a little bit and also depends on where the budget sits. I mean, we do see quite a few situations where the budget sits with, with IT, but the business are the main stakeholders. So the marketing department is actually the one saying yes or no. So it also very much depends on who sits with the budget and and potentially who makes the final call. It can vary. But what I would actually say is that what we see now is that there is no department buying without the acceptance or approval from the other. So uh, IT can't make the decision alone without marketing. If the budget sits with marketing, they can't make the decision without IT. So I think that that's the new normal, which is very interesting and definitely the direction. I think it's the right way it's going because it needs to, both parts needs to have a saying in that, both from a use case perspective and the UI, but also from, from an architectural perspective, from the IT perspective, it needs to fit into that whole architecture that the company works with. Yeah, that does lead me on to the, it's quite interesting how you said you used to sell into IT, and I guess that was when you were, Psycho was seen as a CMS, but now it's marketing because it's customer transformation. But when does... IT now get involved, is it the time when they sort of, when it gets to the implementation? Is that when you start having conversations with the IT departments? Again, it depends a little bit on the product. So on the CDP piece, let's say, that would very much be um, at a very later stage, if they are at all, but that would be very late because that would actually come more from, from a front-end agency that would be working on customer journeys, not necessarily working with technologies. So then, and that will be with the marketing of the business. So it will start all the way out there, and then they will actually decide. So we do see quite 
a few examples of the marketing people making the decision and then it's it's potentially funded by the IT or, or not. And probably IT would need to make a somewhat approval and saying, okay, well, we are buying a SaaS solution here. For us, it actually matters whether it's, it's hosted on Azure or on Amazon. We need to know, we need to potentially um, comment or question that. But if we are seeing, again, it very much depends. Commerce, we actually do see that it that it's a very close collaboration between IT and the business. Um, the need is coming from the business. But a commerce solution, it needs to be aligned on, on the overall architecture. So we do see a very a heavy engagement from IT when we are positioning commerce, again, which makes very good sense. Yeah, so, so it very much depends on the products. I think IT is very heavily involved regardless. And I do see, even though we do see a switch in, in budget that it's actually moving into the, the marketing and the business, IT still, historically, they still sit on, on a lot of the technology budget. Yeah. So again, depends, but very half-half. Yeah. And then when those customer experience leaders that you are you're selling to or your team is selling to, and they have to go get the relevant buy-in uh, from the board, what would you say are the top two or three things that they need to prove to that board to get that sort of buy-in? Do you have a, an opinion on that? It's very much, again, all right? I mean, the return on investment. That's why, again, it's something we are focusing on quite a bit. Again, we're not just selling a piece of software here. We're actually buying into the to the customer journey and the success of our customers. So it's important that we're creating these use cases because we're seeing nine out of 10 times that these use cases and potentially also a return on investment calculation that we can also help with, that's actually needed to get that final board approval. And then it has to be justified. Why are we now invested in another piece of technology? Why can't you just use whatever we have? Why is this better? So I think in all fairness, there has to be some solid use cases or business case that is justifying that investment. And again, we see that more as the rule. So yeah, that's what we're trying to help with. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about sales. I know you've got a little bit of experience in sales. You know, you've grown within Cycle because of that experience. How do you think sales has changed and, and what advice would you give to people who are who's looking to climb the ladder from a sales perspective in the world of technology? Get experience in different technologies, not only different technologies, but also different, how can you say, areas within technology. Personally, I'm, I'm very excited about the fact that we've been doing acquisitions in Sitecore because it, it's actually allowed me to learn about CDP digital asset management tools and also now we got an amazing hitless commerce solution as well but that also opened up for a new world being a traditional psycho salesperson here i think for me it understands more the holistic architecture the the overview the full ecosystem of a customer and i think if i can give a recommendation it is to to kind of get the full picture it can be fun and to sell a niche product that probably fulfills like three or five percent of of the entire ecosystem of a company that can also be a good journey but i think getting to understand the full picture of the different technologies how they work together how they're impacting each other from a business perspective i think that's key and then i think it's important 
that from a sales perspective as well, that you're not getting locked into only understanding the capabilities of the technology in itself, but very much always take a starting point in the customer's needs. Why is it that they are going to get a new technology? What are their main business objectives? So understanding like from the business objectives, like very high level, it could be from a C level, from a board level, down to the KPIs of the CMO and, and CIO, further down to marketing capabilities, further down to technical requirements, more in, in the features functionalities. So understanding these different steps and how they affect things so you, at any point in time, when you're working with technology, can bridge that gap up to the, to the business objectives. That is key, I would say, in order to be successful. Okay. Yeah. Great advice. It's all about storytelling, isn't it? So the more you you understand how things fit together, the the better story you can spin, I guess. And then also find that you know find help everyone to overcome those challenges by identifying those needs. And in terms of um, obviously you lead a team at the moment. What kind of leader are you, and what do you think makes a good leader? So to start with, with the first question, I would say I'm probably a very process-oriented leader. I think it's very important that my team understands, and it sounds very basic, but process is in a sales cycle. What do we need to understand in order to help the customer? How are we taking them from, from A to B to C? What are the things that we need to provide? And when are we doing it at the right time? Do we understand what their pains and how we can help them, right? So very much around processes and make sure that we understand the customers um, and we can fit, that's the most important thing, that we can fit our sales process into their buying process. So we are constantly managing expectations and we are here to help them and support them rather to try to to sell them something. So that is, um, again, very process-oriented, Probably from a personal perspective, I'm probably also a very direct person, which personally is something I, I, I like in, the, in a leader, right? So there is no doubt on, on what's expected, what needs to be done. I think that that's one of the most important things moving into your second question when we talk about leadership, to be clear around that. But also, again, a good leader, and that's also to come back to what we, what we talked about a bit earlier but to clear the road. My role is not for me to shine, it's for my team to shine. So constantly making sure that the road is clear so they have what they need. And then I can be, I'm very much operating in the background and giving them the support so they can shine. I think that that's what a good leader needs to do. Yeah, and have you had any role models or good leaders over the course of your career that have inspired you? Yeah, I have, but they have all been very different. In Sitecore, I've had nine managers, I think, throughout well, seven years. I've been taking the good things from all of them and try to, to put it into to my way of being a good manager. And also when things, you know, being difficult or we are under a lot of pressure or something like that, just really try to hold on to, okay, what would that person do or how would that, you know, person react in this situation or... How can I make sure that, that you know, we, we're getting the best out of this or, or something like that? So it's been very interesting because I've had several British managers. I've had a, a Dutch 
Danish. So very, very different, also from a cultural perspective. Dutch people are also very direct, but I had the, an amazing Dutch manager um, that I really, really liked. There are also a lot of things that I really liked about, you know, my British managers. That's another style, but very, very good things there. I really, really appreciate. It's a matter of taking, you know, yeah. I've had some good role models, absolutely. Oh, good. So let's move on to, I guess that question was a sort of segue into our quick fire round where we get to know a little bit about you as a person, not as a, a business leader, just for a little bit of personality that we can inject into this interesting world we live in. So I'll ask you a couple of questions. Um, don't think about them too hard and, and just give me the answers as soon as they pop into your mind. But do you have a guilty technology pleasure? I do have a Garmin watch and I do like to keep track of my sleeping path and uh, how much I exercise and all that. That's probably it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably mine as well. I find if I, the more I wear it, the more I exercise and the more I'm trying to, you know, get better stats on it. Absolutely. And I love food. So I need, I need to move quite a bit and I can see how much I'm allowed to eat. <laughs> depending on that. Do you track all your, your calories no, no, and no, all no, that no. stuff? I, no, oh, no, no, okay. no, I don't. That's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. I just know <laughs> I need to exercise in order to eat more. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And how would your family describe what you do versus what your friends versus what your boss would describe what you do? Do you know what? I don't think my family, they know what I'm doing. To be honest with you. <laughs> I think they're still struggling and they're asking me quite a bit what it is that I am doing. I think probably some of my friends, they know a little bit better, probably also because they're familiar with this. So there is definitely a big gap to those three and what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, they probably just, in terms of the family, they just see you busy on the computer all the time. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. You're, she's working yeah. with computers. That, yeah, that's lots great. of meetings. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> and we'll just leave it with that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and is there a, an essential desk item you can't live without? My desk is always a mess. So there's a lot of different items on my desk. As much as I'm structured when it comes to work, you know, and things I need to get done and, again, processes, I'm a mess, you know. I'm, that's probably also at home. It's not me keeping the, the house straight, <laughs> unfortunately. That is a, a curveball. I, I wouldn't have guessed that. No. Anything good on Netflix or anything good that you're watching that you could recommend from a business or personal perspective? So when I'm relaxing and I need to, I actually, I do watch quite a bit of Netflix, to be honest. It needs to be somewhat either educational or just pleasant. Cecilia, it's been great to get to know you and to hear a little bit more about what you're doing at Cycle. So thank you so much for joining us today on the CEO.Digital show. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. And if you like what you heard, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to um, check out what's coming next. But that's all for today. Thank you very much.